Yeah, Emily Blunt hosted the shit out of SNL. I went to just murder school. So much of it. I'm ready to take on this clown epidemic. Heading into October, worth noting, I did dress as a demented sort of Joker-esque type clown last Halloween, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting way easier when you're outside the cage. Oh my god, I remembered you dressed up as that. Yeah. Oh wow. Rafa Sparza, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. Uh, thank you very much for the wonderful opening. Um, Thought-provoking man. in these climates. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, there's no better way to train. It's to make sure that you don't get fucked over by clowns. Were there any today at Jiu-Jitsu in the Park where I'm so jealous you were at? If people don't know what Jiu-Jitsu in the Park is, it's for MMA people, if especially the John Jones crossovers out there who are prepared <laughs> to beat up on people half their size and naga that don't know how to heel hook them. That's fine. Well, please explain your real feelings about that. No, I didn't want to. I just wanted to transfer right into... I just like to take the subtle jab of people fighting him like anyone can fight that giant. But see, he said that he just took it on a whim. He was just there to sign autographs, and then uh, I guess I'll do it. Sure. Anyway, yeah, I love people that... I went there, and I just said yes on a whim. It's like, are you, <laughs> have you been doing any training? Just supplemental? Just, you, look, you look in shape. You care. I want to know what he weighed in beforehand. I want to know what division. I would like to know, though, if he has been taking the supplements that he's accused of taking and not just the ones that were saying like, oh, boner pills. But, you know, if he's taking some stuff that makes him look the big man. How many fighters are upset they didn't travel to the whatever Phoenix Naga it was? Whatever it was. <laughs> There's so many. You know, the whole death squad was like, damn it. This is why we got to be places. Yeah. For moments like this. It's just so weird that that sort of stuff happens. But you know what, though? It seemed fun. Uh, It's just good for him. I'm glad that he did it and laid waste to somebody much smaller than him. It seems like a dream come true. I would love to go to different events and be like, yo, let's settle this on this competition mat right now that's going on here oh and you did you get a belt for beating me john jones nobody, nobody deserves a belt for beating me that's just oh that's weird a all right stripe anyway. at best for the notoriety let's not get carried away here i mean easy there white belt come on aka uh disputed heavyweight champ light heavyweight champ <laughs> disputed, um so anyway, oh yeah. Anyway, so uh, yes, Jiu-Jitsu, Jiu-Jitsu in, in the park. park. I'm Hired really Heroes jealous. USA is who I believe they were putting out shirts for. Um, they paired up as they do every once in a while, I believe, to give back to the community, which is one of the best parts about them. So uh, yeah, they came together. It was just really rad to see them all uh, doing what we love seeing, which is jujitsu happening. We had a lot of big turnout. Um, I unfortunately didn't get there in time. I was coming from a wedding. Uh, so it was a whole wedding weekend. I was very excited. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but, um, yeah. So to be able to see a lot of our friends, uh, to get there and, and totally laugh and, and train a bunch, I got wrecked and I tried to make sure that I wasn't too hungover to train and I wasn't, but, uh, man, some really good training out there and really good people participating in it. So, um, our thanks to G and, and the Hoff, Mike Hoff, for putting it together again. And 
Uh, I love the fact that they they get involved. I'm really sad I missed the super fights because I love to try and see those. But it was a nice surprise. Sean Roberts was out there, you know, working with a lot of people. And I mean, Sean Roberts is pretty good at jujitsu. So uh, seeing him uh-huh. roll with a whole bunch of people, uh, so freaking rad. He ended up giving away a private lesson to one uh, raffle winner, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah. Damn. That'd have been awesome. Yeah. Brian was just like I have I was like I have questions. And they do matches, they do super fights, they do they team up for charity, they do all these different things. I have no idea. I guess it's just good karma because it really is a lot of like, hey, we're doing this just to promote jujitsu and get some people this. And, you know, it's just such a fun sort of community based thing. Did you watch some super fights? I don't know how much time because they're usually pretty long. No, I just I didn't get the chance to see them because they uh, they happened earlier in the day. And uh, I unfortunately, like I said, coming in route, I I had missed them, but I got there for the tail end of it. I was glad to because um, I was a little sad because I wasn't sure I was going to make it when you have a wedding. You know that things can go awry and you know that your best intentions can sometimes mean that you're going to get super crunk because you have to. It's for the good of the wedding, right? Absolutely. You know, I I take that seriously. As seriously as anyone. You definitely did at my wedding. You definitely took that like it was a job. It was like, I got to test it. I got to drink it all. I got to (laughs) get over back to that photo booth. And uh, I I was uh, very happy to do the same for my good friend Brian Bond. Uh, marrying his very lovely wife, uh, Evelyn now. And uh, it was a beautiful wedding, just so much fun. And I told Kevin there was a really nice moment because I was in the wedding party and uh, Brian was in mine. And, and Brian's like one of my like super longtime best friends. He's like my longest tenured friend that I have. And uh, he's the guy responsible for making me durable. So if anybody ever compliments my defense in jiu-jitsu, it's because he always would beat me up. And, like, he was the big brother. Like, he was the Ivan Drago to my Rocky so that anytime he punched me, it just hurt. But he would just be playing around. I'd be like, that hurt. Um, Damn it. When people uh, tell me, they're like, man, Raph, you've got good defense. And I was like, well, it comes years of training with somebody who was infinitely better at sports and always had 40 pounds on me. So uh, good times. Um, but I was in his wedding party and we're, we're walking around and I go to the bar and somebody comes up to me and they're like, Hey, are you Raph? And I was like, uh, yeah, from, uh, the wedding party. Yeah. Uh, very nice to meet you. And they're like, Hey, um, from verbal tap. And I go, you mean not from the wedding party from two seconds ago, crushing it on the walk down entrance. <laughs> I mean, not that was me. That. I mean, everybody should know me from that. I mean, I, I had a I, lot of swagger. I practiced. I've been I had, in the work. I'm not going to lie, Kev. I had an ovation. I'm not going to say it was Ooh. better than everybody else's, but I had an ovation. Okay. Had an ovation. So uh, anyway, uh, he comes up. And he's like, yeah, I really like your stuff. You guys are really, really cool, and it's really awesome. And uh, it was just cool to run into somebody who, at a wedding, was on uh, the bride side who – uh, told us that they enjoyed us and it was independent of anything of any human I have ever met. So it just goes to show, Kev, sometimes when we put these things out there, people listen to them. That is, it really hits home when you think it about does. it like that. It's it like, does. oh God, let's go back to the other way. <laughs> you, me, 27 people in Sweden, just the good old days. Yeah. 
That feels nice. Uh, really nice. awesome. Love that you're still making it out to those, repping for the cast, as we like to call it when we're speaking slang in private. That's how we speak. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like, Raph, what are you doing today? He's like, repping the cast. It's like, oh, <laughs> JJP, Dubs? <laughs> yes. It's a question emoji. <laughs> we had a really awesome combo. I spent six hours getting intricately trained by Shanji uh, that bled into actually closer to eight hours with a few breaks, which was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay at jujitsu. At least I thought I was. Now I'm not so sure. I know there are things I can improve upon, but uh, interesting mix of the... Very traditional, simple movements that are functional to jiu-jitsu with some modern elements and some really fascinating. He takes you through sort of his defensive mindset. He does a lot of I, – we spoke to – here's a great interview coming. Nick Gregorialdis. We spoke to him a little bit. One of the topics we covered, a little bit of what philosophical jiu-jitsu can mean, covering mm. philosophies, meta-concepts. I think – Shanji does an amazing job paying respect to those. So I had a lot of fun. Got a lot out of it. What was the best comment he said that was possibly also a dig at your own jujitsu? Uh, okay. So the way I grip the shins during modern guard passing, he's like, what, what, what is that? Like, what, why are you, why are you gripping out? You trying to make him stronger? Like, no (laughs) that's not my goal no i wasn't why he's like turn it in right here like got it so i thought that one was one of those like no my goal has not been to strengthen the (laughs) position at all times that's spectacular excuse me as i cough I got away from the radio. We're professionals. That's how we do it live. It's like, hey, I got to take a second. And I thought about my choices. And I'm feeling great about them. We're doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. We're talking to Nick Gregory Artis. You ready to get to that interview? Let's do it. You and I are both in a jujitsu glow place. We consumed Mm -hmm. a lot of it, even in the wedding. Somehow you were getting in a lot of good judo wrestling tossing, I hear. (laughs) Uh, You have to, because especially when people are trying to volunteer you to beat up people. And I'm like, guys... This isn't a party trick. It's not like I can jujitsu people in the face. But one of my buddies kept being like, uh, my buddy John Brule, he looks at me and he goes, hey, Raf. I was like, what? He goes, I could have armbarred you right there. And I was like, actually, no, you couldn't have. And don't think we don't talk about how to do it at a bar in <laughs> sleeping. Raf's prepared. He knows what you're thinking and he doesn't trust you. I don't really trust anybody. I don't go anywhere without thinking at least three ways that I can probably defend myself if shit really breaks bad at any given moment. And usually I'm like, uh, people are like, oh, yeah, I mean, you're a grappler. It's like, yeah. And the first thing I would do is throw a plate at someone's head and (laughs) try and prevent the charge. Got to get out of here. I've got a strategy, too. Forks. Mm. I think about that myself, Raph. So it's I not bad. Have a glass in my hand, mm. or hot coffee. Let's God. enough self-defense <laughs> tips for two people not really trained to do, offer any no. sort of weaponry advice whatsoever. Uh, let's go talk to Nick.
you're inviting people on the podcast that are just giving out free jujitsu advice, right? To you and all that bullshit. Listen, I, I don't need you to be jealous about all that sort of stuff, Kev. Uh, I am. And I go figure, I'm acting out. How untypical for the masculinity environment in which I was raised in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, this very is much ridiculous. So. so what's your gripe here? Because I, I'm still trying to figure it out. Do you want this guest or not? Oh, of course I do. You know, uh, there's some things we've got to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you were getting updates, because you were one of the few people I talked to on my eight-day tour through France. Mm-hmm. With my girlfriend and her mother. We were headed out there for family reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading his book. But please introduce him. This is All amazing. Right. So, uh, many of you guys know this. I mean, he is the founder of the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood. He is uh, well-known and loved. I mean, he's a Jiu-Jitsu commentator. He's uh, one of... Hod- I mean, he's Andre Gracie's first black belt. Not just one of them. Uh, he's a good friend of the podcast. An occasional arch nemesis of mine. I mean, it's it's hard to really encapsulate all of the things that he is. But let's go ahead and welcome him so that we can get to asking him the questions and not having Kevin be jealous. But let's go ahead and welcome Nick Gregoriades. Nick, how are you doing, man? Hey, man. How could I be doing anything other than fantastic after an introduction like that? I appreciate that. It's not a problem. And I mean, the fun part is, is that, you know, the, the trade secrets of doing a podcast because you've done a few in your time, to my knowledge. I have, I have indeed. So that, that does come as high praise. Nick, what are you doing and where in the world are you? I feel like you're the jujitsu Carmen San Diego. <laughs> um, that brings back a bunch of memories. I haven't heard that, that name for a long time. I used to play the video game back in the day. Uh so I'm in Thailand at the moment and uh, just enjoying a little bit of R&R before, um, before I head to Philippines and Japan for a bunch of jiu-jitsu related stuff. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah. So I'm just getting my head back in the game. So when you start to do these things, you travel everywhere and you get a sense of the different realms of jiu-jitsu because – uh, you know, jiu-jitsu does change from continent to continent and even gym to gym. What is maybe one of the more consistent things that you see as you go to all these different places? Or, sub-question, are there differences? And go. Oh, so, I think that obviously there's differences in the, the specific uh, technical styles. Like, you know, you'll go... Some parts of the world, guys are more have a more like wrestling-based game, or other parts there's a lot more like Tenth Planet sort of uh, rubber guard style, lockdown style. Another place will be very. Um, I mean, I could give dozens and dozens of examples. I guess the the point is technically there's there's differences, but the thing that I find is pretty much similar everywhere is that jiu-jitsu guys are just really cool they're just like friendly and welcoming and inviting and open-minded Kevin what the shit are you doing what I just thought Raph you guys were talking about Carmen San Diego no I got it we don't have the clearance for that music so get the fuck off right now <laughs> oh, sorry about that <laughs> Kevin why don't you stop uh, fangirling out for a second and ask the gentleman a question 
Oh, I was also enjoying you. We're going to talk more about why you're headed to where you're headed, by the way. Mm-hmm. You're going to film a movie, which is a cool teaser for that story while we get to I read your book. And I did it the way I believe was intended, um, which was touring France. Um, I thought you were going to say uh, speaking the words out loud, but um, <laughs> touring France is good. There, the Black Belt Blueprint. There were times I did read parts to my significant other, if that helps. So it was sort of like. Which parts did you read, Kev? Uh, certain intricacies, including a very good detail about where your center of gravity is. That was one of those She's your center of gravity, isn't she? Oh, that would have been really romantic to say. That's why you, (laughs) that's why he's so soft on the eyes and the ears, Mm. Raph. That type Mm. of romanticism. (laughs) I love people of the world. I was just saying, I was like, I've never heard this before. This is where your center of gravity is. So really cool uh, nugget. I got swept up in some poetry. I was reading your book as I was coming off a major injury. Um, I got Mm -hmm. surgery for my meniscus repaired, something last October. Just hit my 12-month mark. Feels amazing. Mm -hmm. So I was reading it as I was getting back into it and joining a new gym after moving to Colorado. So it was a really cool time in my jiu-jitsu area. So kudos to you on a book that'll uh, really feed the jiu-jitsu soul. Is oh, man, I'm happy to hear you enjoyed it. That's cool. I put a lot of effort into that book. You also triggered some new passion for yoga that was a good bit of your fault, uh, given the emphasis you put on it in the book. And just the emphasis on flexibility and training longer. And now that I've started to struggle with injuries... That was some more advice I yielded. Raph got a lot of these text messages. I was like, I'm going through the book. There is some great stuff here uh, as I would drop in and out of having Wi-Fi. Because we spent the first few the first few days in Normandy. And her grandmother mm-hmm. has this condo that overlooks uh, Le Rev, the Rev, the pier, the only harbor in that area. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to drink some wine or coffee and read jujitsu books. <laughs> Strongly That's great. That's great. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, I guess you didn't get to train because you were coming from an injury, but French guys are tough, bro. They are tough f- fucking jiu-jitsu guys. Some of the toughest I've ever met. I believe that. Any people that are like uh, rare where they train, like it's not huge mm-hmm. in their area yet, those people are always terrorists because they're in love with it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, I guess the the harder part for me is whenever people always say they're like, oh, yeah, they're the toughest people I know. And I'm like, yeah, OK, that sounds great. I want to know the least toughest people you've rolled with <laughs> dish. What is it? Is it Antarctica? Is that the worst or are they just really um, tough on the inside? Man, I'm, I'm going to take the fifth on that, because if I go back to the next time, they'll invariably dig up the toughest guy to kick the shit out of me. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, Nick's like, I, you're probably top three people I would expect to see a picture of in a giant blue coat that's like, Nick trades at zero degrees north <laughs> uh, Antarctica. What a thrill. Uh, you can't put on a gi, per se. We just put our extended belts over these suits. That'd be pretty awesome. But Nick, I guess the the more real question is: Have you ever considered another book? I mean, are we are we touching upon something? Is that something that's happening in the future? Because I think it's a good gateway, and I wonder if many of the people who advanced with your book are continuing to advance and would want something in the future, or you know, are you just like, yo, writing a book is hard, <laughs> and 
uh, I'm good. Is it? It it looks <laughs> easy. I, I've I've never done it. I'm just saying it yeah, looks definitely. super simple. You just words, titles. So to answer that question, I actually just um, I just decided I had it on my mind for a while, like to write a, a sequel to Black Hole Blueprint. It was just kind of floating around in the ether of my brain, and I, I last week made a decision uh, to do it, and it, I'm working on it at the moment. It should be out next year sometime. It's going to be the working title is Beyond the Black Belt, and uh, I think it's going to be pretty cool. So the answer is yes. Awesome. As someone that had, an, I have an emotional connection to your book now because it was an awesome trip. <laughs> reading the book along the way. It's, uh, you know, it's a different way of training too when you can't physically train. Is to sort of agree. Agree. So I'd be excited to. See. I'll get a second book. I'll for sure be paying attention. That's you cool, but I'll to... send you send you a signed copy. Hey, that would be. Hey, that's awesome. That would be cool. And and Nick, I guess the before we go on, and I don't mean to interrupt Kevin here on this. What was the trigger for you? What was the reason that you wanted to write another book? Because, I mean, Kevin and I can come up with dozens of reasons, but I am intrigued because if you just came to that decision recently, it meant that you you probably did weigh the idea of like, well, I could write a book or I could enjoy these lovely beaches of every single place that I travel and do jujitsu at. Yeah, uh, I just... I realize I've got a lot of content lying around, like that. Um, it's probably half a book's worth of material already, so uh, I might as well just push through and, and uh, you know, flesh it out and turn it into like a, a full book in its own right. Um, and I guess one of the reasons I, I'd like to do it and feel confident in doing it is because the, the Black Belt Blueprint was really well received and it still sells really well. So. I know there's there's um, a demand out there for my work, you know. So and I have what I believe are some some more interesting thoughts on jujitsu. So I might as well get them out there. Damn right. <laughs> I forgot you guys are the funniest guys in MMA jujitsu podcasting in the United States. Indeed. Wait, wait, wait! I thought we were worldwide. First of all, we short list. That... Yeah, we have <laughs> yeah. numbers, sir. Sweden loves us. Shout out to the Swedes. You know who you are. And I mean, uh, sometimes people get so disoriented by my impression of you in the UK. They think you appear on the show more than you do. Yeah, you've been on the <laughs> podcast like forty times in the last yeah. give or take last few years. Wow. Yeah. I, I do, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting all this fan mail saying, like, I heard you on Verbal Tap Podcast. You were great. Are, are, you, on, are you on drugs? Like, are you okay? <laughs> I do love, though, that, like, every time I do the impression of you, somebody's always like, oh, I don't think you do an impression of Nick. That, that can't possibly be true. And then I start doing it, and they go, that's not bad. <laughs> and, I mean, it is actually it's one of the better ones, I must say. Thank you. Uh, wow, who else is doing impressions of you? I need to know. Uh, well, I, I don't want to give out the other podcast, um, mm. MMA Jiu-Jitsu podcast, competitors, details. I uh, just want to keep that to myself. Posers, I got Damn it. Right. It's all right. We don't let we don't let patches in our gym, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically and literally, when we open a gym, that's going to be our none of the none of those other podcast BJJ patches. 
our last oh, speaking, of, speaking of opening a gym, I, I got some news you guys might appreciate. I told Raf actually, which is um, I'm, I'm moving to the United States next year, so I probably will be opening a place of my own. I'm not not certain of it yet, but it's another idea I've been playing with. So it'll be good to have you guys come train and to come train with you as well. Absolutely, Absolutely. Denver, yeah. Colorado. Sir, <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's got to be Los Angeles because here's the thing. Because there aren't yeah. enough jujitsu academies there now. Absolutely, but I mean, Nick, here's the thing: who teaches jujitsu like you? Because every time I get there, you tell me to go to Robot BJJ, and why do you tell me to go there? Yeah, because I mean, I really do believe that Tim Peterson is teaching the most progressive jujitsu in the world. And listen, I love going there, and I think those people are wonderful. But do you know what it takes for me to get there? I have to use the 405. The 405. <laughs> That's like a different continent. I might as well be going to Antarctica. So if you put something on the other side of the 405, the good side, I think that you're creating your own island of jiu-jitsu. So yeah, we don't have enough out here. I know we're spoiled. But Kev has so much weed in Colorado, he's happy as is. I, I actually have a really interesting concept for a Colorado ayahuasca version uh, <laughs> of a thing. There are a few 14ers, 14K mountains that are like a nice three to four hour hike that you can do manageably. We take a few jujitsu mats, we take a few edibles, we go up the mountain, do some 14K jujitsu. Who's, uh, I'll do them. Sign me up. Sign See? me up. There See? it is, Raph. Yeah, I mean, I, I do just, I can't let Raph get away with that four or five comment without bringing up um, <laughs> an, an incident. Let's, let's call it an incident that, that I was involved in earlier in the year. Uh, <laughs> I was in, I happened to be in Los Angeles and uh, uh, Raph invited me over to the gym he trains at to, to give a seminar, which I, I did, and thanks for sorting that out, Raph, by the way. Um, and then Raph, being the super kind guy, is offered to give me a ride back to where I was staying in Venice. Um, now, even if you were to take into account extremely heavy traffic, and I'm talking like a major natural disaster had precipitated a mass uh, evacuation of the city traffic, it should take no more than about an hour to get from where we were to uh, Venice. And Raf proceeded to get us lost and wait for it. You're going to love this. It turned into a two-hour trip that he blamed on the GPS of his iPhone. Literally, he said, there's something wrong with my GPS. Um, so, Kev, I'll just leave you to do with that what you, what you will. I appreciate all, that. Nick, you know, I don't always get these little tidbits about your travels. Yeah, of course you don't get and, them because uh, they, they're distorted lies and truths wrapped I in a little cocoon of fact. I have a okay. conspiracy theory here. Go on. Nick, was he asking you questions about jujitsu during the drive? <laughs> <laughs> Kev, you might be onto something here. Because you might be onto something. Raph knows, knows California quite well. He uses ways was, which he was, uh, is always told. about. He says it every time I'm there. You should, you should use ways. Uh, and he was using ways that the record state. Okay. Oh. Okay. This is the time when I speak. Yes, Raph? This is what happens. Okay. So what I had told Nick at the very beginning, and I told him this. I absolutely told him this. I said, hey, dude, 
My GPS is on the fritz. Something has happened to my cell phone where it generally says, ah, you're in the area, but it doesn't give you the right direction. It just goes, why don't you just go up? Up sounds good. Up is not a direction. <laughs> then if you turn around, you go, hey, why don't we go here? So me, knowing this full well, looks over at Nick and goes, hey, man, my cell is kind of doing this. Can you help a buddy out? And he literally was just like, oh, no, mate. I wish I could because my cell phone doesn't get enough reflect and I can't possibly because I'm, you know, when you're so pretty looking in the face, you don't you don't need to use directions. The directions just find you. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm telling you. And you, like every time I'd be like, hey, man, I'm really freaking out and I'm trying to get this figured out. I, I'm really trying to make this happen. You know what Nick says? And I know it's not true, but he's telling me he's like. No worries, bro. You know what no worries means? It means worries. And that's exactly the way I take it. So I feel like the worst person in the world. And that was the last straw because I had gotten through that GPS through some really shoddy reception before. And I ended up taking it to the Apple store. And I was worried if it would be part of my Apple Care coverage. They looked at it. They took two seconds and they go, yeah, it's broken. Here's a new one. And that's. God's honest truth. They fucking gave me a new one right then and there. So, yes, we did get lost. We did have a journey. But it's not enjoyable for me to take people on a joyride of places that I don't know. (sighs) And then try to find, like, the Pueblo that I'm supposed to drop Nick off at. (laughs) And be like, I don't know. This this could be the right place. Or I could be taking you to an arts district. I don't know where the fuck I am. I mean, all all I know is... I've never had a GPS with uh, air quotes issue with my many iPhones. And Kev, uh, I'd like to to ask you, have you ever had a GPS issue? Have you ever known anyone to have a GPS issue on their iPhone? I want to thank you for asking me that because, (laughs) no, I haven't. You haven't. Yeah, all right. I'll let you know. I have witnesses at the iPhone store. I took names because I knew the story would come up at some point. I knew that Nick would try and degrade my name with this slander and this lies. Listen, I'm starting to understand how all these people accuse Trump of so much stuff that he just didn't do. (laughs) But, But Nick, what I'm trying to say to you is this. Okay. Yes, that was not exactly my world's most winning moment. But you were able to convince me to go make a change. My wife and I, we went to that Apple store. We went there. They fixed it. They gave me a new one right away. And I was asking them, I was like, was there anything I did wrong? They're like, no, apparently the part of the GPS on the phone had just moved a section. Like normally it's stagnant, but it had actually been propelled. So it didn't know where you were at times. And I was like, well, that's good to know. So there's nothing I could do to fix it. They're like, oh, no. So I felt I good. Mean, I, I personally, if I were you, I, I'd just I'd change the subject because it's sounding less and less. Uh, it's not plausible. there, but but I was gonna try and pay you a compliment because <laughs> you MacGyvered the shit out of your phone because you didn't have set really like you couldn't use your cell phone for whatever reason. Okay, you're a visitor, but you can't use your cell phone. I understand that you need wireless. So we were able to gerrymander my cell phone wireless <laughs> to yours as a hotspot. Oh, and yeah. then you used your GPS. So, yes, you did a great job figuring that out. So, credit to you. Thank you, Ref. We, were, we did it together, bro. We did. We did. We definitely did that. But that brings up the larger issue that, yes, you did come very nicely to come do a seminar over at John Evans's place, uh, BJJ Breakdown, which um, I, I do it's have tough, unfortunate. Oh, you tough. like 
that guy is tough, bro. Like, I mean, I usually like if, if it's a, a brown belt, I, I look at it. I don't want to say it's like a chilled out match, but I, it's not like I really like really focused. Like when it's a black belt that I'm sparring with. So I thought like, cool, I'll have a good match with him. And God damn, bro, he was tough as hell. I was very impressed with his level. He's, he's very good. Easily black belt level, in my opinion. I've, well, I mean, you know what we know, which has always been that, oh, man, John's pretty good. And I love, they had, uh, you know, John is uh, under Cobrinha, and Cobrinha is not so bad at the jiu-jitsu. But for whatever yeah, okay. reason, he, uh, he takes a little while to advance someone like John, who does compete, but hasn't competed for a while for injuries and a number of different reasons. But when you roll with John, and, he, you know, people are like, he's a purple belt. And I'm like, no, he's not. I promise you, if you are underneath his side control, <laughs> if he mounts you, there are black belts that I, I will give that to way more freeingly and being like, I'll be fine here. But with John, you're like, this is murderous. Yeah, Jesus. So, yeah, no, it was it was great. And I appreciate you coming out there uh, because, uh, unfortunately, in the time since uh, John's place is closed. But I know that one of the things that we enjoyed was having you come out there because – you brought such a great vibe to that gym uh, when you did come to visit. And one of the more important things, and I guess I'll, I'll talk nice about you because you talk shitty about me, uh, <laughs> is that I also got to see you do a private with Joey Diaz. And I felt that was a, an especially great moment for me to witness how not only you do a seminar, because that's a form of coaching in itself, but the individualized one-on-one -on -one coaching that you're doing for somebody as big as Joey Diaz. Like, he is, he is a large human being but he is so committed and passionate with his jujitsu that he wants to learn he wants to put in the time and the way that you were able to coach him not only had my respect but but john evans as well because john evans is like i've never seen anybody coach him like that and john evans is one of the people who has coached him so i thought that was an interesting thing to watch your particular style and the way that you had very uh, specific drills for him and uh, how you were so freeingly telling him to do smash passes on me, which I thought was an interesting <laughs> Yeah, he's such a cool guy, hey, Joey. What a character. Um, have you, I mean, it's a bit off topic, but have you listened to his uh, testicle testaments? I have, yes, after we uh, talked about it. Very oh, They're fantastic, right? So Absolutely. good. To anyone listening, like, if you want a really, really entertaining uh, few hours of audio, Go to the iTunes store and listen to Joey Gaze's uh, testicle testaments. They're, they're absolutely fantastic, world class. Now, when you hear somebody like him get his blue belt, um, you know, what was your reaction when you heard that? Because you had the time to be on his show and get to know him a little bit. Uh, you know, what was your sense of what jujitsu means to him and, and just how his passion is? Man, he loves it. He absolutely loves it. But he, and the thing, the thing about him is it's. It's a, ah, this sounds so wanky as we say in England, but it's a very pure love. Like you can tell, like he's not trying to be a world champion. He's not trying to open a gym. He's not trying to get rich off jiu-jitsu. It's just, he just fucking loves it, dude. And, and it's such a pleasure to see that, you know, it, um, and he has so many, for, for Joey Diaz to be training jiu-jitsu is a lot harder than the average person to be training jiu-jitsu because, I mean, he's not in the best shape and he's a slightly older guy and like it's, it's a, it's a tough, tough uh, gig, you know, and it doesn't discourage him. He still comes there and does his thing. And yeah. I mean, I just respect the hell out of him for that. 
Awesome. You just uh, do you do any other celebrity privates we need to know about? Are you? I've done a couple, but I, I'd rather don't like don't mention them because they they uh, they're people who who don't really want it to get out. You know. I mean, Kev, you're gonna have to read my next book <laughs> to find out who it is. I thought because uh, I'm not gonna say it's a major celebrity, but. His name might be Vin Diesel. I don't know. <laughs> Star of a little film called Dude, Where's My Car? That's all I'm going to Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so when you are doing all of this, though, I, I, I do think that is great because, like I said, getting to, to see the different sides of you is always, I think, important. But you were very helpful with me, and I, I was very appreciative. I know a lot of the guys who uh, you did the seminar with uh, at Breakdown – they themselves still use the concepts and theories uh, that you were uh, highlighting. And I know that when I get in trouble because you taught this great mount escape, I was like, oh, I should do that thing that Nick does. Oh, yeah, that seems very helpful there. <laughs> uh, and I actually got yelled at by one of the guys who went to your seminar when he got me in mount and he was like, why aren't you doing the thing that Nick taught us to do? And I was like, well, because you know what it is. And he goes, well, no, it's still pretty effective even if I know it. And I was like, oh, all right. Well. That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yes. So if you are doing these seminars, you know, where, okay, so you're you're doing this thing. Kev, we teased this. He's going to what? Thailand next? Is that where this I'm actually, happened? I'm in Thailand at the moment. I'm going to the Philippines Thank and you. then Japan. Japan. Okay, yeah. so Japan is where the next movie is happening, yes? That is correct, man. Okay. Kev, I'm going to allow you to ask because you seem the most giddy about the prospect of a film. Yeah. Okay. So you're filming the sequel to The Spirit of Jiu-Jitsu. I have not watched The Spirit of Jiu-Jitsu. I honestly hadn't heard about it, which hurts. As, uh, <laughs> not like we would have. It does. It does. Uh, I'm actually I'll just going to... <laughs> yeah, it hurts, bro, but I'll get over it. Okay, you're um, going to film The Spirit of Jiu-Jitsu 2, The Spirit Strikes Back. Yeah. How yeah, this actually, yeah, it, it was going to be called The Soul of Jiu-Jitsu, but Spirit Strikes Back is way, way better. <laughs> More spiriter. Also... I think it was actually... What about, what about, what about Spirit, Spirit of, Spirit of Jiu-Jitsu 2? I just like two. Awesome. I kind of like the idea of spirit of Jiu-Jitsu. Well, okay. Judgment spirit. How's that one? That's a good one. <laughs> I like that one. I had electric boogaloo. I also had uh, the squeakle uh, because I wasn't sure what your situation is. Uh, you can add in some more Hicks and Gracie kind of animalistic uh, attributes in that one. Um, I mean, it, it, it's really on you. We're just throwing out suggestions. I don't know these things as well as you do. Uh, the last one I had was uh, the spirit of jujitsu uh, two cruise control, which great. That, that's all on you. Potential. That's fantastic. It's yeah, almost okay, I'll take it all. You know, the take it all into consideration. There's a lot. So why are you doing this movie and what does it mean? Because uh, Kevin and I unfortunately have not seen the first and one. Who's and the casting like director and how come I got skipped over? I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> hey, I forgot how funny you guys are. Um, it's great. It's really great. I love the format. I love the way you guys approach um, the show. Uh, so 
Uh, the best way I can describe or to answer the question, why am I doing it? It's just, uh, it's a, uh, I don't know, you guys are, I'm sure familiar with the phenomenon, which is when you have, um, when you have a sort of creative impulse or a vision about something that, that you feel is not necessarily important, but just you feel that it needs to be made manifest in the world. You can't really, you can't really stop until it's done. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it kind of like, I don't want to say it haunts you, but it's, it's always there. Like that needs to be expressed. And for me, uh, I've just, it's been two years that I've been preparing soul of jiu-jitsu and uh, it's a lot of my ethos and philosophy of jiu-jitsu and a lot of the, the emotional things that I experience around jiu-jitsu that I just want to share with people and, and that is the guiding principle behind it and that's the reason why I'm doing it and it's going to be what style of documentary like how long what will we get to see can you give us um, some excerpts into because I like your philosophy. I also like the visual aesthetic that comes with it, getting to see people train. What can we sort of expect out of it? Uh, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, what, <laughs> what I will say is um, it's very similar to Spirit. It'll, it'll be very similar in visual style to Spirit of Jiu-Jitsu, uh, which was almost like a documentary. Isn't, isn't probably not the correct word. It's almost like a... Oh, man, I don't even know if there's a word for that specific format, but it's kind of like a visual music power. plays a very yeah. It's it's like a, a visual a visual experiment around jiu-jitsu with with uh, a lot of audio stuff as well. There's going to be a cool soundtrack, and it's gonna it's gonna just try to really get that essence of what we all experience when when we step on the mat. You know that that meditation that like. I have this new thing in my mind, which I'm going to feature in the video, which is that, uh, you know, the mat is kind of like, uh, it's a refuge for many of us from the intensity of, of the world and like the chaos that is modern living. And I'm going to try to bring forth like how that affects me um, the, 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 and how, that, how important that refuge is to me. That makes I, sense because you you I have a good like story. To caveat, rap. I have seen mm. the spirit of jujitsu. I just found it on YouTube. Big fan. I didn't. I thought you were talking about a different documentary when you pitched it earlier. I didn't know you were also the star of the first one. Yes, I have seen this. <laughs> Big fan. Cool. Just jujitsu nerds. You lose your punch card if you don't know certain things, right? If it's like <laughs> choke, what's that? Haven't heard about it. They get pissed, and I don't want to be on the outside of that group. I want people to know I've seen it. My street creds. You're real. back in the circle of trust, bro. This right back is a in. Stuart Cooper film. We're here. Okay. Uh, go on, please. Sorry. Um, I mean, that's pretty much all I have to share about it without uh, giving, it giving too much away. But <laughs> another thing that I will let you guys in on is that uh, it's the reason it's been taking so long to get this made is because... It, I really wanted it to be made in Japan. It was very important to me for uh, that it be made in Japan and to get the film crew there and sparring the correct sparring partners there and to, to get everything lined up has been pretty pretty difficult. Um, but you'll see when it comes out that Japan features very prominently in the Japanese spirit and the Budo spirit feature very prominently. Okay. Now, I mean, I love when you give 
uh, us previews of what's happening. And obviously you can't tell us a bunch of it because you don't want to give away what's happening. However, Kevin and I, that means that we, we ourselves can guess and you can kind of tell us warmer cold, <laughs> right? Yeah, go for it. If Let's we were, okay. 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 Kev, I'm going to start off, but I need you to figure out, uh, what it is that you think this film could be about. I'm going to start here because I feel like I feel like Kevin and I can guess the actual plot and, <laughs> and actual uh, details of this film. First of all, uh, I think the music is going to be provided by Eddie Bravo, and it's going to follow a fighter by the name of Nick Hageritis as he makes war. his way uh, through, uh, I believe, what's called a kumite, <laughs> Jeez, how did you, you cut it straight away, dude? I mean, fucking hell, I've been keeping this under wraps for ages and you just guessed it like that? That I is thought, disappointing. And I, again, you remember, Nick, you just say warmer or cold because Rats here's the in thing. The business. He knows I'm boiling in the business. Hot. I just know these things. Boiling hot. Boiling hot. Okay, and there's going to be an evil villain by the, who goes by the name Bolo in real life. Uh, you got the real Bolo, which I thought was impressive. And uh, you're going to get Jean-Claude Van Damme to play Jean-Claude Calder, Van Damme. Calder. 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 Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, oh, damn. I was hoping Jean-Claude Van Damme was going to make an appearance. I thought you were going to rectify uh, the, the whole Kickboxer sequel with the Spirit of Jiu-Jitsu 2 Kickboxer, The Return. <laughs> but, uh, okay, I'll, I'll dissect for a second. <laughs> Kevin? Uh, yeah, I've actually heard... Warm or cold, Kit Dale does five nude scenes in this one. Ooh. Warm, cold? Very cold. Freezing. In uh, fact, I have to go put a jacket on. Just hold on. I, I'm actually, your denial makes me nervous the rumors are true, <laughs> and they're just trying to keep the shock value. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I'm going to get warm again because I know that this is buddy cop action film with <laughs> you and Kit Dale. I'm sorry, Kitchen Dale, his acting name. And the two of you, uh, you don't get along. One of you's uh, a straight by the edge cop, and the other plays by his own rules. I'm not going to say who's who, but I think the kit plays by his own rules. Warm or cold? Uh, man, the thing is, it was cold, but you've just given me an idea, and so it's, it's become warm. <laughs> I love, you know, I, I, Kit Dale actually came out to do a seminar out our way, and it was great running into him. And he had very kind and nice words to say about you. And then lo and behold, maybe two seconds later, you put up an article that uh, basically is talking about concepts. And uh, really, it just looked like a plead for, hey, bro, I miss you. You okay? I, I do. I do miss him. And it, it was. I mean, your, your understanding of human psychology is, is unparalleled, Raph. Very impressive. We bring you, you on. We peel back the onions. We figure <laughs> out what your movie's about. <laughs> we, we get to a lot of stuff. That's just uh, how we do it here. But you've also had this really famous part where uh, one of the reasons I think the two of you get along so well is because you have so much agreement in terms of why concepts are important. But then you also said that you do have a disagreement with him in terms of concepts can't be alone. Do you mind elaborating a little bit on that? Yeah, sure. It's... It is the the fundamental point on which Kit and I differ. I mean, I, I'm I'm a huge conceptual jiu-jitsu guy. I've, I've always pushed how important concepts are. Uh, and the reason I went down that route is my first grappling coach in South Africa was he was very concept-heavy in his um, teaching method, and it, I, I adapted to that very quickly, and I, it helped me a lot. 
So um, I agree with Kit in that, but Kit, Kit almost, uh, he almost has a disdain for, for drilling techniques. And uh, I understand his reasoning and his, uh, the argument that he makes for that, but I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, and I think it's one of the cases where uh, the theory is disproven by the reality. Um, and the theory is, or at least Kit's theory is that uh, learning it or drilling a technique is inferior to allowing your your body and mind or your the, the collective grappling organism that is a, a person sparring, allowing that to just organically figure out the solutions to the problems and challenges that it's presented with. Or that That's the gist of his argument and that putting a learning techniques or drilling techniques imposes these artificial and rigid structures that are inferior to the the organic ones uh, that I mentioned earlier. Uh, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting theory and there is something to it. And some people definitely learn their own tools better than, or are able to use their own tools that they devise better than one that someone has taught to them or, or made them learn and condition. However, having said that, um, the fact of the matter is the best fighters in the world drill. Mm. They drill certain techniques over and over again. Um, and they use those techniques effectively. And until the day comes where we find someone who can who has never drilled a technique or never practiced a technique in his life and is just organically sparred and rolled within the parameters of trying to tap someone out and and they emerge as like a, a world champion, like an elite, elite, elite level world champion. Uh, I'm, I don't think I'll change my opinion and, and I'll say that conceptual understanding needs to be paired with uh, technical training and drilling and technical proficiency. May I just sense? say, yeah, absolutely. I understand it. And again, it's one of the few things like Kit came on our show and he had a wonderful explanation about having a glass that you can overfill with technique. And then at a certain point, that glass can only take so much. And while I respected him and said, you know, hey, that's a great metaphor. Uh, but I am too stupid to have just one glass. Like, I feel like, yeah, if I'm going to use that glass, I'm going to drill what I've learned with that glass in mind. Uh, just for my own personal thing, I would love to rely on just the idea of concept alone, but mm -hmm. my muscle memory is too poor. Like I don't have the the ability to move certain ways. I have to teach myself to to move certain mm -hmm. ways. So it was more like you know, Kit. I mean, what the fuck do I know? But you know, I I think that's great that that works for you, and I think concept is so important. Uh, but I will say the concept of you guys having a a debate. I think, Kev, is the most adorable sounding debate I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, and I would like to facilitate that chemically and uh, with the right herbal insinuates and on a Facebook Live. I mean, Kev, would you like to get a preview of what it might sound like? Absolutely. Okay. This is what a debate between Nick Rigorartis and uh, Kit Dale sounds like. <laughs> and action good day mate oh hey i didn't know that you were here i was too busy looking in a mirror oh i was just <laughs> thinking about uh you know drilling 
I don't really like it. Oh, I see. I I have a very different opinion. When you're so pretty, it's you should drill, but you don't need to because I'm quite good at jujitsu. That's not a knife. Are you just <laughs> doing lines from Crocodile Dundee now? Uh, oi, oi, oi. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. And see. Guys, I've got to tell you straight up, that was fantastic. That yeah, really made that made my whole week. That was absolutely fantastic. I, but because it's so real is what it is. It's I know. For, it's like, wow, I, I thought it was a memory, and now it's just a full-on reality that I'll I'm you, facing. I never, I never give away any of my trade secrets. But when you were telling that story, and, and you have a very wonderful thought, and it's not like I want you to talk shit about Kit. I just want you to explain the difference that you feel. And you've written an article on it, and you guys are the best of pals. So I think that your your relationship's stronger than anything I could come up with. But when you were telling that story, all I could think of was, that's not a knife. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to do a whole scene just so I could do this one really dumb and shitty joke. And I don't care how long it takes for me to get there. So, Well, let me tell you a story that I think you might appreciate. Um, I was uh, in LA for a few months a year or two ago. I was doing some work there. And I was training at Robot, uh, obviously, because it is the best place to train in LA, in my opinion. Um, Tim Peterson, the owner, and I, we've become quite good friends. And one of his passions is uh, knives. He's big into knives, right? Like which, strangely enough, I'm starting to become more and more interested in lives. I just find them just kind of cool. I'm not saying I want to stab anyone or anything like that. I just kind of find like knives cool, little instruments. So I just bought myself a pretty expensive um, folding knife, and uh, I was super excited to get over to Tim and show it to him. So I get to Robot Jiu-Jitsu, and Tim's upstairs in his office, and uh, I sit down next to him, and I say, hey, bud, check, check this out, and I... And I take out this knife that I bought, which I'm so proud of. I've just dropped like a couple hundred bucks on it. And Tim looks at it and just goes, that's not a knife. This is a knife. And he pulls out this huge like panga, like machete from under his table. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a fantastic moment as well. You guys would have, you would have loved to have been there. You would have had a field day with that. It's also mildly terrifying. I'm only like 100% <laughs> a little nervous. Hey, also, you never know in the next, uh, in Japan, there might be a samurai scene where oh, Nick definitely. hosts the first jujitsu slash samurai sword match. It doesn't Warmer. go great, but you know, the camera was rolling and it was hot fire. <laughs> I was reading not too long ago, I for, it, made a, it made the rounds, the journalist was talking about like the need for philosophy to spur science. So I like the addition of using conceptual-based jiu-jitsu uh, with drilling uh, in that similar vein of, of using sort of a little mix of both because one's so mechanical mm -hmm. and science-y, and the other has a lot more meta-concepts. What are you mm -hmm. doing meta-wise for yourself right now? You're always sort of on the cutting edge of making sure you're taking care of your mind and your body. Can you uh, give people a little glimpse into uh what you're doing right now so uh, in reading this book i'm not going to divulge the title just yet but it's a very interesting book and uh one of the things the author speaks about is um impatience and he says that impatience is a symptom that you're not that you're worried you're not going to get 
what it is that you want. And that specific little understanding has helped me so much recently. And I've, I always, when I, I start acting with impatience or, or being like hasty or rushing or doing anything from that particular energy, lately I'm trying to catch myself doing that and kind of just retrain myself to slow down and realize that doing something from that particular place, which is like, fuck, I better hurry up and get on my motorbike and get to the restaurant because they're not going to have another serving of that chicken I like, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to like move away from that. And I'm finding it's making me definitely a happier and healthier human being. You mean mentally training yourself to, and it's always people talk about this with like happiness and trying to make sure you're happy and just trigger things that make you happy. You're talking about in times of stress, you just sort of mentally check and say, no, don't do it. Just be happy. Right now. Yeah, but it's, it's not even breathe. It's not even as intense as, as like times of stress. It's just I'm, I'm generally just trying to slow everything down. Just do everything more slowly and just, yeah, just breathe. It's, it's, all, it's all kind of, they're all different aspects of the same thing, which is becoming present in, in the moment and, and slowing your breathing down and just being aware and not letting life pass you by. Okay. That's a great outlook. I like that uh, you, you answered that real. I think Kevin was just saying like, yo, dude, what's the good drugs though that you're doing right now? Just, <laughs> well, I I'm mean, always, like, that's a great answer. There's that. Um, if anyone knows a good import-export guy, but that was not specifically. That was, that was an answer I was looking for. People that are heady are always doing something. <laughs> Task or or acid to be if we're just being fair, but that's like something we get a house in Breckenridge for the weekend of Halloween. I'm speaking for a friend, obviously. <laughs> but in this particular instance, that was pretty on the nose. It was like, yeah. I also was having a flashback to every guidance counselor, coach ever, just being like, Kevin, you need to slow down. Like you're too rushed, too anxiety ridden. So. I was also having a major flashback moment. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, it's not it's not uncommon. It's like I think the vast majority of us who um, who came through the particular school systems that we did, uh, we probably all have a lot of that. You know, that like there's a, a general sense of urgency that's instilled in us from a very young age, and sometimes it. It works for us, but I think a lot of the time it doesn't. Applied to pure comedy perspective, and Raph knows this as well, you can tell the difference between a new comedian and a seasoned comedian by how fast they're spitting out jokes. Uh, that's very interesting. And applied to jiu-jitsu, you can tell the difference between a good grappler and an elite-level grappler, um, and I'm talking truly elite, by how fast they move. Because I've noticed... The, the best of the best is Roger, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I am a fanboy of, of his jiu-jitsu. He is, I haven't met anyone better. And the thing that always distinguished him in, uh, to me was how slowly he does everything. Really, it is, it is, it's almost like he's doing it in slow motion. And you would think that sacrificing speed would be a big negative and count against him, but strangely it doesn't. Um, it's very interesting. Have you ever thought about, and again, this is my stupid brain working here, but have you ever thought about, with that slowness in mind, when Hodger goes for, you know, 
getting mount and he goes for his patented cross collar choke. Have you ever thought about putting footage of him doing that to like the theme music from Jaws or any other horror film? Because <laughs> well, I have not. <laughs> well, I mean, you're welcome, and I want residuals from it because I think the reason is is you're elaborating here is. You know, Hadra is something that I would love to aspire to, which is that unstoppable jujitsu where you know it's coming. You know that you're able. Shut up. Wait, I just heard you say that now. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I didn't say I'm going to become Hadra. I just said it's something I aspire to. Oh, like, you kind of you you did. You kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I want is is to have that 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 concept of. You know, when you are working a good set of jujitsu principles that you can show your hand, you can give away the magician's secrets, and yet it's still going to work out for you. You're still going to get the desired result. And the person who you're, uh, you know, your opponent, your training partner, they can't really stop it because I think that's something that's always really important for me. And I, I feel like it's one that's exhibited by Damian Maya. And I'd love to get your opinion on what makes him so effective. Is it the use of very, you know, smart principles that are just so well executed? Is it a renewed sense of using wrestling with uh, a great jujitsu base? Um, I, I've always been interested because I feel like he's the guy who's really the face of jujitsu and MMA right now. Is that what you feel, or do you have different ideas? No, I agree with you entirely. Like he is, uh, he is the, the individual who's using jiu-jitsu most effectively in, in MMA. There's no doubt about slow. that. I mean, it's slow too. Yeah, and I, I I would not hesitate to say or to guess that uh, Damien Maya. I know he's a principal guy because or concept focused guy because he came out with a series many years ago, which is a fantastic series called um, The Science of Jiu-Jitsu, uh, in which he, he shared like his conceptual, the conceptual underpinnings of his game at the time. And the thing about him is that he uh, mates that to a high level of technical proficiency and technical understanding. He has a very good repertoire of, of techniques that he knows well and that's my, that's, I mean, he's the best example of my, of my argument is that you need both. You need concepts and techniques. Um, you hear that kit? <laughs> Sorry. I just, I don't know. <laughs> kit, uh, kit, we love you. You know that I, I know that you fanboy out about Hodger and you shouldn't ever have to apologize or give any kind of, uh, preface to that. I mean, he is unquestionably one of the most renowned jiu-jitsu practitioners and to be a black belt under him, I mean, it kind of goes without saying. So that's not an issue. In the air interest of being fair, however, I would like to know who are other people that you've looked up to uh, just in terms of jiu-jitsu or maybe even modeled your game after? Because I know the easy answer is Hodger, but I, I love to hear where those other branches extend to. So, I mean, one of the guys who I... Technically, I modeled a lot of my game on, especially the Nogi, is uh, Marcelo Garcia, because he, I don't think, I think it'll be a few generations before we see someone as progressive as that guy come along again. I think people, maybe people are starting to forget just how far he pushed or, or how much he improved Nogi grappling in particular. Mm -hmm. um, it's, 
I mean, the guy basically invented the use of the arm drag in Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. He invented the backpack. He almost invented the X-Guard. I mean, like, he it's, it's unbelievable how prolific that guy was and how he was able to use all these these things in competition so well. So, like, I'm a huge fan of his. Another Jiu-Jitsu guy who I admire, I mean... He's a, it's just a who's who of the best of the best. It's is Boshesha, and I admire him for. Um, Oli Geddes said to me, he said Boshesha is a big guy that is able to generate so much power because of his incredible set of attributes, his agility and flexibility and speed and strength. So he'll be able to like. Barambolo roll through one of your techniques or through an open guard of yours using like it, using the doing it like in a way that a, a 150 pound guy would do it but with his his additional mass and that is an incredibly scary recipe and yeah I think that's one of the reasons he's so so good so those three guys I, I mean I think if you could meld them all together you'd have I mean, literally the perfect grappler. Well, you would also have like a human sentinel that would basically be designed to destroy everyone's game. So I don't yeah, know that we yeah. want to we want to approve that science project so far. <laughs> you also, not to get too meta, but you think about what if Marcelo Garcia was six two? What's what's his game look like? Is it is it different? Yeah, yeah I mean, There's without a lot doubt. Here. I mean, you guys know Marcelo Garcia. Like, it's my understanding. I could be wrong, but it's my understanding that he didn't go further in his MMA career because, I mean, no disrespect to the guy. I, I'm a huge fan of his, but it's his arms were literally too short. He couldn't. He couldn't play. He couldn't. Uh, he had no real striking ability because because of his short arms, right? And like, yeah. I think that style. That T-Rex down, he's he's very stocky and he's got a very specific physique that works fantastically well for the particular game that he's created. He's laid um, his feet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's work. different to like maybe Braulio's game. You know, Braulio's that tall, yeah. gangy sort of style guy. Yeah, he uses that uh, spider guard beautifully in his triangle mm-hmm. game. Yeah, so no, without doubt, like if he was six two, I'm sure he'd be just as good, but in a very different way. What if he was just six two and super lazy? He was just like, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, ah, beautiful. Yeah, I don't need it. Uh, uh, little guys can run around and do this whole backpack yeah. thing. I'll just so, totally just no sweep you. And, I, mean, I would imagine that his yeah. game would probably look a lot like yours in that case, Raph. Oh, I don't. Be <laughs> well, like his GPS, his navigational unit gets a little. Hold on, you wired. know, Kev. I hate to bring up things on this show, but I'll do that. He brought up something. <laughs> to me. I'll bring up something of his. I just want to say something real quick. You know, it's it's a bad thing when you've got a black belt talking mess around you. And the thing is, I don't take to being bullied very well. I don't care if you're a black belt or not. And the thing is, is that Nick kept like coming up with excuses and being like, oh, I can't mate. Oh, my hip. Oh, my back. Oh, I can't roll. I forgot how to roll. Oh, no. Uh, I just remembered I left uh, my papers back in Europe, so I can't roll without my papers. (laughs) So when we did roll, and I don't need to say what happened. Nick, you can say whatever you want. I'm just letting you know. I think for a non-black belt rolling with a black belt, 
I'm just going to say things worked out just fine. So, yeah, I mean, there's a reason they call you the Fennon. <laughs> I, I think that you are the new face of, of modern competitive jiu-jitsu wrestling. <laughs> for, for a blue belt to just carve his way through my game like that, I mean, it was, it was devastating. And that's why I don't really talk about it, and I'd appreciate it if we could change the subject. We can. There's uh, <laughs> just before... We like to keep the bridge, you know, nice and watered down. You are someone that's been around jiu-jitsu for a while. You're now seeing it on a, a different wave, right? There's there's a vacuum to fill in who's going to provide the most exciting competitive circuit. What's your take on the way the sport's evolving right now, which has a little bit more um, smack talking surrounding it, a little bit more controversy? Uh, but also a lot more attention. How do you balance those two? What do you think of it? Uh, you know, guys, if I'm honest, I don't really pay much attention to the competitive scene of jiu-jitsu. I just, I mean, I just like get little bits and pieces from my friends who are huge fans of of it. So I, I, I'm probably not the best person to ask, but I guess anything that gets, that causes growth is usually a good thing. Um, let's just hope it doesn't turn into like a, a WWE competitor. Um, I think like the smack talk stuff, I don't know. I don't know if there's, I don't know how good I feel about that. Like I think we, we all train so hard and especially those competitors and jujitsu is a sacred thing to all of us. You know, it's like, as I said earlier, it's, it's like a refuge for all of us or for many of us. And I don't know if it's cool to bring that kind of energy into it. You know, I don't know if it's necessary. I don't, I don't think you'd see Hicks and Gracie like speaking about people that way, that always competitors that way. And I, I don't think you'd <coughs> see Marcelo Garcia either doing that. Like, it's just, I don't know if it's necessary. Um, but having said that, if it's causing, causing growth, maybe, maybe it's got its positives and its advantages. Well, I think you're talking on the macro level and I think that you're right. If it does cause more uh, controversy or intrigue, sometimes that is very good for the sport. Um, but also bringing up the idea of, I mean, did Hickson do it? Do you need to do it? Uh, is an interesting point as well. On the micro level, I do wonder because I don't know if people know this about your your history, but uh, when you talked with us originally about how it was you got into jujitsu, you said you came into it where you're just like, you know, you just wanted to beat up people and uh, you were looking to just kind of really be an athlete in the sport and you you later evolved your understanding your appreciation for it but did you ever have elements where you were doing smack talk to anybody because you're so mellowed out now and like yeah we just did a very fun exchange uh two seconds ago but you don't really strike me as the type that has done your fair share of, of shit talking but i've never really shared a mat with you in your your formative years of jujitsu, was that something that ever happened for you, or? Uh, so just just to clarify, um, I, <laughs> I don't think I said I ever got into jujitsu to beat people up. Um, uh, it was just I, I wanted to like I guess prove my, my myself, like prove something to myself, and maybe on another level prove something to my dad. Um, and if, if beating people up in air quotes is a consequence of that, like that was just what had to be done, you know. Um, but yeah like it, it's definitely changed for me to answer your question it's definitely changed for me partly because I got older and 
I can't beat everyone up anymore, you know? Uh, like, it's it's different when, when, when your body changes and you get older. And, like, also back then, like, this is almost 20 years ago that I was started grappling. And grappling was so, so small and undeveloped then that, I mean, the concept of, like, smack talk. First of all, there was no real internet, so to speak. Like, well, the internet wasn't what, what it is today. So, like... <laughs> For two grappling athletes to be smack talking each other, no one would have even heard about it, uh, and no one would have even cared. So it's like it's never really been a big part of of who I am or what I do. That makes sense. All right, I was just curious because again, uh, you know, I mean, we have the Nick, the like, the beautiful softy years. I don't know what the prequel was like. I don't know if you were a gritty police <laughs> drama back then. <laughs> so I don't. I, I just don't know what what that might have entailed for you. He told Let's Rafael talk a Lovato bit. to go fuck himself with his American <laughs> jujitsu attitudes. That's just what absolutely. I, I don't know. When we unearth all of the tapes for Nick Gregor artists, which I will then supply the voice to, uh, we will we will get down to the bottom of this. Yeah, but I think Kevin will and I, come up. Absolutely. And I think Kevin and I have a huge appreciation for what it is you do. Um, and having seen you put together some stuff that you do for your website, um, some content that you do, I think it's really interesting. So what are you up to with regards to that? Because I know you place a big emphasis on making uh, new folks feel welcomed and that what they can do, it's attainable and then smart ways to go about it. Yeah, dude. So like... Look, you guys know me. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of out there with my beliefs. And one one of those out there beliefs is like, I really believe that any, everything is energy and that what you put out is what you get, get uh, back. I really believe that. I've seen it proven so many times in my life in the most interesting ways. And I think jiu-jitsu is no exception, man. If you're that guy, I mean, the, the, the I guess the expression is if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If you're that guy who's, just out to go and heal the people and fuck them up and like like don't care about anything except crushing your opponents and you know uh, that's that ethos that you live by then you're you're going to die by that ethos too there's going to come a point where you are not that guy anymore or you cannot you cannot uh, maintain that level like if you're talking smack about people they're going to start talking smack about you or if you're the bully in the gym sooner or later you're going to get bullied like and so I guess what I try to put out into the jiu-jitsu community is like just approach jiu-jitsu and every single sparring match you have and every competition you have with that, like with a good energy, like, like let me see how much I can improve and let me help this guy improve as well. And like, let's just progress ourselves and progress the art, you know? And if you do that, you're going to get that back. Like, I, I promise you, you're going to get that back. Nick Gregory, artist. <laughs> now he's lulled me past, and I'm just uh, into the... I get that people get mesmerized, especially by your teaching. I don't even know that you know jiu-jitsu. I think you just start talking at these seminars, and people are like, he's great. He's amazing. You should try it. Uh, that's so cool this, man <laughs> if we just listen to it on the radio it's just him talking nicely about things for 40 minutes and everyone just enjoys it I mean it'd it's be great I mean I don't want to give away his seminars Kev but he definitely did start off by being like I've heard this great new concept called 
shrimping, shrimp. <laughs> you guys are gonna love this. It's so good. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, let the record state that Rafa just taught me that concept minutes before. <laughs> uh, Good uh, teachers use ideas, you know? Yeah, absolutely. They use the, the surroundings to really get what it is they do. And speaking of surroundings, you seem to be uh, Paul Moranless lately, which I think is a big plus for you these days because <laughs> Paul's always been garbage and he was always weighing you down. But that hasn't stopped you from doing podcasts. You guys obviously did the Journey podcast together and uh, you guys remain the best of friends even uh, despite my better advice to you to just drop in. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about uh, digital communion because you do this every once in a while with, uh, I believe is the guy, did he show up at the seminar? No, he didn't, but he didn't, okay. but I, I did see him uh, the day, the day of the seminar. So maybe okay. that's what you think. Cause I was like, there was something that happened that day where I was like, I, I can't even put things straight anymore, but um, I like what you guys do because you have a free flowing conversation about, larger things than jiu-jitsu because your interests seem to they lend themselves to great concepts in jiu-jitsu but i think you always have within you stuff that you want to talk about elsewhere so how did that project come about and and for those listeners who don't know about that maybe explain what it is you do on that show uh so digital communion is the reason i chose the name digital communion is because uh i i'm huge fan of quality interesting conversation um i just love connecting with someone on that on that level of abstract ideas and you know there's a i always like to think of it that when two people have something interesting on their minds come together and discuss that then the conversation that emerges is greater than the sum of its parts and the conversation in itself takes on a life of its own Kind of, I think it's happened today with with this episode of Verbal Tap. Like it's, this is its own kind of. We we created a kind of a magic, like communing, you know, like sharing, and we we were doing it digitally, and that's where the name digital communion came along. Um, and so that's what what I'm what Thomas and I, Thomas is my co-host. That's what we're trying to do with digital communion is just talk about what's happening in our lives and and uh, about this journey, this respective journey that everyone's on. And that's the that's the tagline of of digital communion. Uh, we're all alone in this together, and I, I really believe that. I believe that, like as alienating and lonely and scary as the human experience can be, ultimately, like the thing that makes it cool is that we can share it with each other. Um, and so that's what we do on digital communion. It's twenty minutes, uh, twenty minute podcast, and uh, we haven't started having guests on. So now it's mainly just Thomas and I, and uh, we just discuss the things that interest us and. It's just what I like to think of as a cool conversation between two pretty cool guys. And uh, the way it started is, funny enough, I was on a, another podcast and uh, called London Real. I started the show about five, six years ago, and um, I started with it with um, then at the time a friend, and that was it was always my objective for the, to become that kind of thing. And we, we both had different ideas. The show became quite successful, but we had different ideas of where to take it. And so we, we, we split up and I started doing a show with um, Paul Moran, who you, you mentioned earlier. And Human garbage. That, yeah. He's, uh, he's the founder of um, Open Mat Radio and he's, he's a, 
a big figure in the Jesus community. He's one of he's the. Okay. He's small. He's not that big. Familiar. No. No. Yeah. Um, he hates you guys too. To be fair. Uh, he and sent so, me a text to remind me he hated me. Like, <laughs> I, I want the viewers and the listeners to know this. This man is evil, but for whatever reason, him and Nick have a bromance. Whatever. Go on, Nick. So so we were doing The Journey. Uh, we started a show called The Journey, and I, I had so much fun doing that. And it was, it, was, it was awesome for both of us. But unfortunately, like as you guys I'm sure know, Paul had some health issues. Um, and we were just finding it quite difficult due to my schedule of traveling and, and his his schedule of uh, his medical treatment, it was difficult for us to, to find the time and the energy to do the show. So we kind of, uh, we wound that down. And then Thomas, uh, who'd actually want, been a big fan of London Real, we'd become friends and uh, we kind of, I felt the same kind of energy, you know, with Thomas and we decided to start Digital Communion and we're on episode 35 now. Or thirty six even, so it's it's going really well, and I'm really enjoying it. That's awesome. I mean, I, I'm glad that you do it, and I, I can speak, <laughs> I can speak maybe a little bit for Kevin on this, but Kev, you know, we know why we do this because uh, for me, it's always shits and giggles to talk with athletes who we have an appreciation for. We hope to get a lot of uh, good stories out of it. We hope to flesh out their narratives if. They don't know how to do that. You know, we, we have a great connection to wanting to do it for jiu-jitsu. What is it that you personally get out of doing it? And like you mentioned, you did London Real. And again, that became a huge thing. And the the podcast that you did with Paul, despite him being on it, was quite popular. <laughs> so all of those things and more, like having done podcasts and, and shows for so long, what do you get out of it now? And... I guess, what do you get out of it collectively just in terms of, you know, a good conversation is great, but like, do you find that you discover things about yourself? Uh, just elaborated on a philosophy. Like what is it that, that keeps you doing these things? I mean, like it doesn't even have to be on that. Like the, the, the benefits aren't even like as deep as like learning things about myself or like having some philosophical insights or anything like that. It's just, it's just fun, dude. And it's just, it, it makes me feel good to know that I'm not the only person who's having these fucking weird thoughts, you know, <laughs> like, and for example, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to, I know it's late there, so you can go to sleep after this, but when we finish the show, I'm going to, I'm going to continue along my day, like with a better energy than I had before, you know? And, and I think that is, fuck dude, if that's not what it's about, then I mean, what is it about? I'm going to train. We have no gi at 11 tomorrow. I'm going to have some uh, black belt blueprint magic. (laughs) That's great to hear. That's great to hear. And what are you working on jujitsu wise? Just give us a little bit of that tidbit as we uh, ask you basically everything we can think of, which is what happens when you're around. But yeah, man, like my jujitsu, I'm I'm in a very good place with it now because when you've been doing it as long as I have, I mean, it's your enthusiasm waxes and wanes, you know, like sometimes I'm just like, oh, fuck, dude, I'm so over this. I've been doing it for so long. Like I need a break. And then other times I'm like, fuck, man, jujitsu is the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. And I've had a few breakthroughs uh, on a conceptual level recently. Um, there's these three new conceptual understandings that have just, it's like I'm rebuilding my game from the ground up using these as the foundational pillars. Um, 
And I'm actually, Kit and I are filming Beyond Technique 2 uh, in Japan, of all places, next month. Beyonder so, Technique? Yeah, uh, Beyond the Beyond. Beyond the uh, Technique. <laughs> Did you want us to come up with some sequel names to that? Technique on the Rails. God, Kevin. Technique on technique. the Rails. Is Beyond Technique forward. 2 off the reservation. I think that's, that's what that is. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're, we're, I'm super excited about that. It's uh, I'm very excited, actually, to get that out there because I know this is the stuff that I'm going to be sharing on this video and the stuff that Kit's going to be sharing is going to be – it really is going to be a game changer. That's awesome. Oh, Kit. I'm excited. <laughs> I like your guys' stuff. I'm uh, happy to hear and I'm in a yoga for BJJ online mode. So we're nice. starting to discover the power of uh, the nice online stuff. It's great. It's so I mean, I actually, <laughs> I actually have a yoga program coming, yoga for jiu-jitsu program coming out soon as well, which I'll send you as well, Kim. You can, you can check it out. And that's, I'm filming that in Japan as well. It's going to be a busy trip in Japan. So I was going to say, yeah. you're going to be, yeah. uh, well, I look forward to that because I'm starting to get addicted. Like I've hit the. It's amazing, right? If I go it two days, it's like I gotta, I gotta get into some poses. Yeah. yeah, it's such a it's such a special thing, yoga, and like I think there's such a misconception about what it is and what it can do. And I know I used to think, I mean, that's just like weird stretching shit for chicks, but it's so much more than that. And it's man, it 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 makes your life better quickly. It makes well, your jujitsu better quickly too. I have feminine hips. So it's not the worst <laughs> idea for me to pursue that style of exercise. There you go. I look great in yoga pants. I'm just saying. Raph, we'll talk about that at a later we time. Don't, we don't need to. No, okay. Nobody needs to talk <laughs> about your thunder. You wanted to, just, I thought we'd shelve it. I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> and Nick, you um, do you still supplement? You supplemented with yoga. Are you supplementing that still pretty much on the daily what's your no but i don't actually do yoga every day like I, my my current routine is i do jiu-jitsu three times a week and yoga three times a week and that's more than enough exercise for me um and actually i'm in thailand yeah like you can get an incredibly good massage for like a two-hour massage for like six or seven bucks um, and no, it's not a happy ending massage. It's, it's like a literal, like full body, like treatment, like almost like a chiropractic osteopathy treatment. And so like, I've been doing about three of those a week, three yoga sessions and three jiu-jitsu sessions. And it's, and $20 it worth of Thai massage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the wrong. I thought Colorado was an upgrade over DC. <laughs> I got I gotta see the world. I'm not experienced. I'm sorry. This is just settling some things. Raph, I gotta get out of here. I gotta roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Come to Thailand, bro. Damn. <sighs> yeah, let's see. Flights should be good right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gonna get a good discount now, bro. Oh, well, fantastic. Nick, we appreciate you swinging by and. It's always fun when, when Rap starts to set these up, especially when uh, you're one of the few people we talk to that's always across the country. Uh, excuse me, mm -hmm. the planet. You're always mm -hmm. on the other side of it, which is awesome. 
but I've enjoyed the last two reps. Like, I'll let we're gonna get a time scheduled, but he's in Thailand. It's like, a fucking course he is. <laughs> and I thought to myself, it's like, well, you know, he's probably not on the beach getting a massage. And it turns out you probably were. <laughs> That's probably exactly what was happening. Well, I was just thinking, now nah, he's okay, so he's over there. But and then sometimes yeah. Kevin like will ask a question. He's like, "How many hours ahead of that?" And I'm like, "Kev, don't you worry your pretty little head on the hours." I'm just going to tell care, you. Please take care of him. Hey, you're the responsible part of this duo. <laughs> yeah, Kevin's definitely the most responsible part of this duo. One hundred percent. Yeah, and I sponsored. I got ready early. I went to the weed dispensary, MMJ, <laughs> the medical counter. I made sure I was prepared, and that's the type of uh, professionalism that I, I nice. bring. And, and to be fair, though, Nick, if if Kevin isn't heavily medicated in one way or another. I do get concerned and I do think it harms the podcast in some way. So I'm a big fan of it, despite the fact that I'm like, Kevin, how much money are you spending there? And Kevin's like, shh, don't worry about it. <laughs> I got a medical card, man. It, they practically pay me to get it. Uh, today, <laughs> I spent over $50, so I got to spin the wheel. No. Yeah, I want a free MMJ America hat. So I just want to give that a quick shout out. I'll, I'll buy that from you. Just end your well, I'll send it to you for the yoga links. <laughs> we'll make a little exchange. Yeah, deal, deal. Uh, well, hopefully next time uh, we do this, it will hopefully be in person because I got to tell you something, Nick. Uh, the concept of you coming to L.A. or just the States. We'll start with the States. But if you were to happen to be in Los Angeles because you do love it here and I think L.A. loves you, um, it would be a, a warmly welcome because um, – and like I said, having seen you – coach having seen you write having seen you do uh, personal one-on-one -on -one interactions with folks you always have a great energy in the way that you connect with people and i think it is a much needed alternate toward what it is that we see you're open to a lot of concepts um, i know you've taken your fair amount of shit from the jiu-jitsu community but the nice thing about you is you come from such a good place of loving the sport that you really do give a lot to uh the community and i i wanted to thank you uh and i know it sucks that you you'll probably get mad at me for this but you were so nice to give your time and uh your jujitsu to us at john's place and uh all of those guys had such an appreciation for it and i love the fact that all of them were like is is nick is that coming and i was like yeah he's, he's here and it's like i just i never know where he is and i'm like nobody ever does <laughs> Nobody ever does. He just he's like magic. If he shows up, he shows up. Uh, yeah, um, I always I always kind of I mean <laughs> it's, I know it's my ego talking, but I always wanted to be that guy who like in jujitsu, like you never know where I was, but like when I arrived, everyone would be happy to see me. And uh, yeah, definitely. But yes, we we obviously are very happy that you rolled through, and I think that Kevin would love the uh, pleasure of getting to roll and train with you as well. So hopefully if you are out in the States, especially if you are out in LA, we'll make you part of a destination tour for Kev because uh, he's already lifted some of the things and concepts from your books just from the last time I was rolling with him. So uh, he was understanding some of them. Uh, others, not so much, but some he was. Well, oh, I, uh, I was, there's a lot of mediocrity between uh, application of the book and me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to say who's responsible. I'm not going to say if the book's the mediocre one or if it's me. It let you I'm down. I'm just saying it, it exists. It wasn't explained <laughs> yeah. properly. And one of the things we have to keep in mind is that a mediocre Kev is still better than an excellent Raph. 
Hey, <laughs> I, we got to bring him on more often. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm going to let you know. I, just, I love you, I don't Hold on. Nearly. I just want to replay the part of the podcast where Nick's like, I don't really do any smack talk. I don't know. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, Hickson never smack talked. Uh, I think I think we're going to amend that too. You know, Hickson never smack talked me. So yeah. just saying, interviewed the that's guy. Why that's why he's still alive. <laughs> uh but nick where can people find you where can they go look up your stuff because uh you put up great articles on the jiu-jitsu brotherhood but where can they find that aka you on the social media and the interwebs yeah man thanks for asking so there's two places the for jiu-jitsu specific stuff just go to jujitsubrotherhood.com and for my podcast it's digitalcommunion.com and uh, you can contact me directly via either of those pages and emails from the from the contact tabs. Will come straight to me. And let's say I want to look at your digital jujitsu stuff. Let's say I want to look at uh, like some of your online techniques and all of that. Where do I go for that? Uh, if you just go to you click the store button on jujitsubrother.com, it'll take you right through. Awesome, awesome, very good stuff. That I mean, Nick always puts out quality quality stuff. So. Ladies and gentlemen, again, uh, I know Nick is one of the nicer people. We love getting to chat with him. Uh, we're glad that he's here and he decided to come back. Because, Kev, here's the thing. You know this. The last episode we had with Nick was basically in our top ten of most listened episodes for, like, three years. The people love. And it just TV. barely fell out within the past couple months. So Nick heard this and was just like, mate, my ego. Oh, no, we need to get me back in there. And I was like, listen, dude, if we could fit you in, maybe we'll bring you back on. We'll see. It's a different time. It's a different time. <laughs> Guys, it was, I, will, I will say straight up that that was one of the most – I've done hundreds and hundreds of podcasts. That was one of the most fun. You guys are you, – you have a really special chemistry and uh, you're sharp as fuck. I really appreciated that. Thank you for having me on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Rigardis. Raph, every time I talk to Nick, you know, hey, he and I are headed to the mountains. <laughs> or did you heard it? He said yes. He wasn't even attentive. He was like, just tell me when. It's like, okay. I feel like I have a strong chance of getting him to Denver now. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Perfect. I, I wasn't sure if you were going to totally sign off. I was like, I thought you were going to maybe go into some sort of cautionary mode, but I'm glad you're in. Well, I mean, if you're going to really do this ayahuasca tour, I think that, you know, really jujitsu it out. I just love the fact that you were trying to build something with that. And you're like, oh, I've totally got This is totally how it has to go down. And he goes, no. Let me correct you real quick on how this works. Um, so I thought that was fun. But yeah. if you're going to learn ayahuasca from anybody, it's you do one there he is. That's the guy. Gregory's. Let's uh, wrap this fun episode. So much. I enjoy, I, I'm having a blast. Like it's, yeah. good, it's been a good podcast year. 2016. Feels nice. Let us know if you think so too. Five-star review iTunes, please. And thank you. It's just a simple thing, but it makes a big difference. Uh, the more you know. Mm-hmm. I'll start. Big shout out to the one, the only Professor Shanji Hubiero. Uh, tons of black belts hit the mats, by the way. 
Professor Jubera was there the whole time passing around instruction. Thank God. Which is the other thing about these seminars. Like when you get a black belt that comes up and does some one-on-one structural changes to your game, it's helpful. You turn out weak wrists your entire life. Explains a lot of things about getting caught in lasso guards, Raph. Not the point right now. Huge thanks to the whole Jubera crew, Hibero, uh, Professor Shanji. That was uh, that was some pretty incredible jujitsu learning. I was quite humbled, and it was awesome, Raph. There was people from Easton. There was people from a few other schools, Mile High Jiu-Jitsu, Gracie Mile High. A few from Bang um, that also trained over there. It was pretty. It was awesome. So that'll uh, that'll do it for me. That's awesome, man. Uh, let's go ahead and say a big shout out to everybody who helped put together this wonderful jujitsu in the park. I know we we talked about G. <clears throat> she did a great job. Thanks to all the people who did super fights. Again, even though I didn't get to see them, I'm hoping I'll get to see them very soon on uh, some videos and some promotional material. It was great to see our good friend John Evans. Ran into him very quickly. Also ran into our good friend. Blanca Marissa Garcia. Uh, we also ran into Jim Lawson, who has a great new profile in the newest jujitsu magazine. Uh, he's doing gym drop-ins. Kev, his first gym drop-ins, because you know his name's Jim Lawson. So gym drop-in, get it? I do get it. And that's good. My Vicky's <clears throat> gonna love that. She loves it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and his first gym drop-in was with Anderson Silva. Who? Uh, uh, he's a, ah, God, what do I say this? He's famous only for beating Chael Sonnen. Oh, I remember that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also thinks, uh, boner pills, etc. I'm not exactly sure his story, but, uh, has a great spread with, uh, Been there. Anderson yeah. Silva and, uh, very happy for him. I want to go ahead and send a big shout out to the LA Jiu-Jitsu Club, and those guys are training so well and so hard. And uh, we've had some great visitors roll through in the past couple weeks. I want to spend a big shout out to my good friend Alex Perez, who uh, was just giddy to be training uh, in the morning. And I don't know too many people who get super giddy to train in the morning, let alone 630 in the morning. So kudos to him. Kudos to VMAC Valley Martial Arts Center. Our good friend Jules Telfa has been filling in for uh, Marcelo, and Jules is crushing it. Just so much great technique from that guy, and and so nice and so giving. And uh, my favorite is when he'll come over and he'll like tell me. So we were working on something, and he just goes, "Hey, Raph, remind me to help you with this." And I was like, "Okay," and like he totally forgot at the end. I was like, "Hey." You said you were going to give me a tip here. And he's like, oh, yeah, I was going to show you how to do it, but I didn't want you to do it to me. So here you go. And I was like, that's a fair thing. I understand that. He's like, yeah, once you learn it, you'd probably start smashing me with it. And I was like, well, please show those things to me now. So great sense of humor, great techniques. And uh, I also, again, a big shout out to Bond uh, or the Bonds now. Uh, my wife was very pleased because in route there, she stopped me the day before the wedding looks me in the eye and goes babe i've got the hashtag and i was like well what is it she's like you know how their last names bond and i was like yeah she goes bonded in love 2016 and i was Ooh. like babe babe no 
She's just like, it's going to happen. So when we got there, we found out that they did have a hashtag and they're like, happy, ever, happily ever bond. And uh, she goes, that's not bad. But have you thought about bonded in love? And the the wife, Evelyn, she looks at my wife and she goes, can it be bonded by love? And she's like, absolutely. So my wife came up with the alternate hashtag, the official alternate hashtag of the party. And uh, a great weekend with my wife as well, Kelly. So kudos to her and uh, all of our friends. I mean, I, I could shout out everybody and half of them are listening. So I have no idea if they'll give me shit for this or not. But let's run down a few names. Uh, Fabian, a big jiu-jitsu guy. Always so good to talk to him. Mark Hibbert. I expect to see him training very, very soon. Um, I also want to send Nick Forbes, one of my oldest friends, one of the best soccer players I have ever known. Just cool as shit. Super nice. Uh, Troy, uh, him and his wife, Rachel, were so nice. It's one of those things where you hit it off and everybody's so happy and they live in Santa Barbara and they're like, come up. And you know, when you say you're going to come up and you're not like, we'll actually see those people cause they're super cool. Uh, so like Santa Barbara. Well, that was the other I, thing. I it was know. like, I'm you live on Santa Barbara. Help. I'm just trying to California. <laughs> well, the wife looks and she goes, Hey, um, we have a beach view and I go, Oh yeah, we're going to show up at your doorstep so uh they were very very funny very super nice people and uh i knew right away when uh, she and my wife like literally hit it off within seconds um and she was also so nice she provided sandwiches for the guys which were super super needed the day of the wedding and uh good good shit all around so them and john real his beautiful wife and uh, Kevin Bond, who helped put it all together. But to the newlyweds, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Brian Bond, you guys were fantastic. You had a wonderful wedding. Uh, thank you as much as I can possibly say for uh, allowing me the honor of being in your wedding party. But uh, a good, good time. Uh, an opportunity to see some of my oldest friends get drunk with them. And, and you know, those opportunities are far and few. So when they do happen, you got to make sure you have a good time and drink. But I think that'll do it for me, sir. Fantastic! It's been a positive. We've gotten a lot of, a lot of good energy, good oh, flow, hey, moving hey, into fall. I hate to interrupt you, though. Um, I think Nick uh, just made his way back. Did you want to talk to him real quick? Um, absolutely, Mr. Gregory Artis. Hey, I had a few shout-outs to oh, the podcast please. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to go ahead and shout. I mean, first of all, I love. Roth, what Roth's doing, I, he's he's amazing, isn't he? I I guess. No, amazing. I said amazing. Uh, agree with yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Nick. Yeah, obviously, um, amazing, and keeps uh, you know he's just so put together. He really, you know, the hardest thing about Roth, his game is so much better than mine. So, I, I'm just in awe, I guess. <laughs> wickedly awesome uh anyway uh kev i'm gonna fall asleep now well good night it's been always great to talk to it's you wherever good. you are Long it's hard looking like a little bit like paul bentney wear black before you get to tokyo or wherever you're headed oh good reminder japan i think it might have been <sighs> ladies and gentlemen nick Gregory artist always coming back for a quick surprise before we hang up the phone that's uh, gonna do it for us tonight i'm kevin thanks for listening and back in time all right good night good fight all the good stuff just back in time